All right, I decided to move our series in John to the night service. So if you'll take your Bibles and join me in John chapter 16. It's been good already, amen? I thank God for music. I thank God for the assembling of ourselves. I thank God for all the ministries and programs. But you know what the Word of God tells us is that God saves those which believe by the foolishness of preaching. We'd be irresponsible tonight if we didn't preach. So take your Bibles, John chapter 16. Let's look at verses 23 through 27. And in that day ye shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs, but the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day ye shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loveth you, because ye have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. Remember from last week, we considered the first statement in verse 23 where Jesus tells His remaining 11 disciples, and in that day ye shall ask Me nothing. They were confused about the doctrine of the death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of Christ that He was trying to teach them. And they were having a hard time understanding all that. They weren't connecting all the dots because the Holy Ghost had not yet come. And we studied about the day that He would arrive and and we took note about how their preaching changed after the Holy Ghost came. Remember, before the Holy Ghost arrived, they had a hard time understanding these simple truths. But after the Holy Ghost came, and, and really it started after Jesus ascended, and right before He ascended, He opened their understanding, the Bible says. But after that, when the Holy Ghost came upon them, all of a sudden they were preaching from the Bible. They were preaching from Joel and they were talking about David and they were talking about Moses and the prophets. And they were preaching the Word of God because the mysteries of Christ had been revealed to them. The Holy Ghost had come upon them and they were able to understand things. Remember, that was only 50 days from the day of this text. 50 days later. Here we are in our text and they're having a hard time understanding all that Jesus is trying to teach them. 50 days later, man, they're preaching the house down. Amen. And so that's the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. That's the power of the Holy Ghost. We've got to have His help when we go to the Word of God, when we read the Word of God, study the Word of God, when we preach the Word of God, we've got to have the Holy Spirit's help. It was the Holy Spirit that helped them to preach boldly about how the Word of God speaks of Christ. And all of a sudden, they had a clear understanding. They, they understood the truths of the Word of God that are here eluding them. They're not quite getting it right here. And throughout the book of Acts, we saw where they were preaching the Word of God from the Scriptures. And remember, at that time, that was just the Old Testament. They were taking the Old Testament, as we would call it, and they were showing how Christ was to live and die and rise again. Can you take the Old Testament and lead somebody to Christ? Amen. That's what they were doing. Praise God. And so, that's the power and the working of the Holy Spirit in our life. He illuminates the Scriptures to us. He gives us understanding. And every time we go to the Word of God, We need to be asking for the Holy Spirit's help. Well, that was last week. Let's move on to this week. We see in verse 23 that Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, He will give it you. In verse 24, 
uh, he says, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask, and ye shall receive, that your joy may be full. This is a thought that's been reoccurring through the upper room discourse that we've been studying. In John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, it says, And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And then in John 15, 7, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. And then in John 15, 11, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. John 15, 16, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you, that ye should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. And yet again, in our text today, we're finding Jesus telling them, whatsoever ye ask in my name, that I will give it to you. And we see that Jesus wants our joy to be full. Amen. Hey, we're supposed to be joyous Christians. Amen. Not a bunch of sad sacks. We're supposed to be happy about our salvation, happy about what we have in Christ. And so our joy is to be full. And Jesus now has mentioned this several times throughout this discourse. I believe it's a lesson that he wants them to learn. And therefore, I believe it's a lesson that he wants us to learn as well. Now, remember in past messages that when we read verses like that, it doesn't mean that God is sitting up there in heaven waiting to grant you whatever wishes you have. That'd be nice, amen? Well, maybe not, I don't know, but we'd probably be too dangerous with it. But he's not sitting up there, uh, some magic genie that you can just go and and have your wishes granted to you. That's not the the purpose when Jesus said, if you ask me, I'll grant you whatever you ask. We have to take everything in context, amen? In chapter 14, our requests being answered are connected to the Father being glorified. Amen. When the Father's glorified and we ask Jesus to help us glorify the Father, He says, if you'll ask that, I'll give it to you. In chapter 15, our request, Jesus answering those requests are connected uh, to us abiding in the Word, staying in the Word of God, but also that we would bear much fruit. And then having our joy full that we read in chapter 15 just a second ago is connected to us abiding in His love and keeping His commandments. So don't read passages like this and think you're free to live any old way you please and then get whatsoever you ask of the Father. It doesn't work that way. I don't know how y'all were raised, but in my dad's house, you weren't going to be allowed to act a fool and then go and ask him if you could do whatsoever you wanted. Amen. That wasn't happening in my dad's house. Sure, son, I've been so impressed with your disobedience and your willingness to dishonor me and my name, and here you go. You can do whatever you want to do. Doesn't work that way. Unless you're the youngest child. (laughs) Amen. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Amen. And if my parents are watching, they know what I'm talking about. Amen. I'm not going to name names. (laughs) Youngest children get away with everything. Okay, anyway. God isn't going to give you whatsoever you ask while you're living in defiance and disobedience. If you're not living to honor Him and His name and His Word and His church, then why would He give you what you ask? Because here's the thing, you're going to ask amiss anyway because you're not living according to the Word of God. However, when we are in tune with God, 
then our desires become His desires. That's important. Our will becomes His will. We begin to pray that we will glorify the Father in the Son. We will be abiding in His Word. We will be asking to bear fruit. And all of a sudden we see that God begins to answer those prayers. Now what are we being told in this passage? Because this one isn't quite as easy as the ones I read just a minute ago from chapters 14 and 15. Well, I think we have to stay in the context, of course. Remember earlier in this chapter, in verses 7 through 15, we saw the work of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit would come after Christ departed, we saw what, how He would operate. And Jesus was also speaking of the Holy Spirit in chapters 14 and 15 as well. And remember from last week that the beginning of verse 23 where it speaks of that day, it's when the Holy Ghost would arrive. So I think we can look at this text and we can make the connection that, in, in re, that this is still in relation to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is what caused these men to begin to preach boldly about Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowered them. The Holy Spirit gave them understanding concerning Christ in the Scriptures. Therefore, the context here when Jesus says, Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, He will give it to you. Ask and ye shall receive. I think, my personal opinion, we should view this in relation to the Holy Spirit working in our lives. That's my opinion. Because notice verse 25 again. These things have I spoken unto you in Proverbs. But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. Because of their limited understanding over this first three and a half years that they walked with Jesus, even as we've seen in this discourse, Christ is having to speak to them in kind of illustrative ways through Proverbs and parables and things like that to try to communicate truth. Just in this discourse alone, we've seen Jesus speak of His Father's house and how He would go away and prepare a place for them. And that He alone would be the way to it. And they kind of scratched their heads. He spoke of His relationship to the Father. And they kind of scratched their heads. He spoke to them of being the true vine, God being the husbandman, and how they were the branches, and how they needed to abide in Him to bear fruit. He spoke of His death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and they just kind of scratched their heads. He speaks of their sorrow to come, but also of their joy to follow. And He likened it as to a woman given birth, that when she is delivered with that child, her sorrow disappears into joy because a child has been born into the world. And we read these sayings of Christ, you and I today, as children of God, who have the Holy Spirit indwelling them, and we read this and we go, man, that's easy to understand. But see, they had a hard time understanding because the Holy Spirit had not yet arrived. And Jesus' words seemed more like Proverbs, parables, dark sayings which they could not clearly understand. Wherefore our Lord says, But the time cometh when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. In other words, their understanding was going to be clear. This would certainly begin after Jesus resurrected, before He ascended, but this would be even more evident after that the Holy Ghost has come upon them on the day of Pentecost. Then all that Jesus had spoken unto them would no longer be a mystery to them. And so I think we can say this. If we will ask the Father for understanding regarding His Word, 
He will grant it. Do you believe today that God wants you to understand the Word more than you probably understand you want to understand it? What did I just say? You understand God wants you to understand His Word? (laughs) Amen. We'll get it figured out. Are you asking for that clarification? Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. I don't know how many in here tonight have discovered the joy which can be had in understanding the Bible. Like I said last week, I don't mean you have this instant understanding and everything makes sense. There's still a lot that we don't understand. We're all growing precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little. But we don't get it all at once. But do you experience joy when you go to the Bible? I don't pretend to understand it all. But one of the greatest joys of my life has been studying the Word of God. And to have the opportunity to stand up here and present the Word of God is even more joyful. But I want to tell you, there are hidden treasures in the Word of God that you have to dig and to mine to find. Jesus is waiting to see just how much you want it. How desirous you are to get it. How hard you'll labor to understand it. How much you'll cry out to God and ask for His Spirit to help you. Sometimes people read the Word of God and they go, well, that's too much for me. Just read the Song of Solomon sometime, amen? Her nose is like the Tower of Lebanon. What? Do you ask God for help? Do you really desire to know the truths of God's Word? I don't want to re-preach last week's message. Do you want to understand more though? Then ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. I said it already, but God wants us to be joyful Christians. But because we are so earthly minded, we conclude that this means God wants to bless us with all this material possession. Well, for me to be happy, for me to be joyful, I really need that new truck. Whatever. And we conclude that God is waiting to make us joyful through something material. And and we we miss it all in that. I thank God for those blessings. But lasting joy does not come through earthly possessions. But it comes from growing in the Word of God as we understand the heart of God more and more and as we draw closer to Him as a result. And I want to tell you tonight that real joy is knowing God. Do you know God? Does He know you? Look at verses 26 and 27. At that day ye shall ask in My name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you, for the Father Himself loveth you. Because ye have loved me and have believed that I came out from God. Jesus stated in verse 25, Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name. In verse 24 he states, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. And now in verse 26, Jesus states, At that day ye shall ask in my name. Do you get the idea that the day was coming that they were going to be praying in Jesus' name? And I want you to understand the magnitude of what Jesus is saying here in the context of the first century. The religious leaders considered Jesus to be a deceiver. They considered Him to be an imposter. They scoffed at the idea of Him being deity. They sought to stone Him because He made Himself equal with God. 
And now Jesus tells His disciples that the day was coming when they would ask the Father in Christ's name. Jesus right here is once again reaffirming His deity. Just think about the weight of the statement that He's saying. He's saying there will soon be a day that when you pray, you will pray to the Father in My name. Where does He get the idea to say that? Because He's God. Amen. He says, you'll pray in My name. Now, I'm not being heartless by saying this, but it has to be said. We don't pray through the name of the Virgin Mary. Y'all might as well say amen because it's about to get hot. We don't pray in the name of the Virgin Mary. We don't pray in the name of some past saints. We don't pray through the rosary beads. We don't pray to angels. And I sure don't go to some earthly priest to confess my sins to. Mary needed a Savior. These guys and gals that we call saints or they call saints needed a Savior. And that guy in the confession booth needs a Savior. Somebody help me preach. Because we don't go to them, we pray in the name of the precious Son of God. Because His name is above all names. And if I'm going to pray in anybody's name, I'm going to pray in the name of the One to whom all heaven and earth will bow their knee and will confess with their mouth that He's Lord of lords. We pray in the name of Christ because He shed His precious blood for us. We pray in the name of Christ because He took our sins upon Himself. We pray in the name of Christ because He rose victorious over death and hell. We pray in the name of Christ because He ascended to the Father's right hand. We pray in the name of Christ because He spoiled all principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. We pray in the name of Christ because He who knew no sin became sin for us. We pray in the name of Christ because He became a curse for us. We pray in the name of Christ because He satisfied the wrath of God by taking our place on that old rugged cross. We pray in the name of Christ because He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us and He took it away and He nailed it to His cross. Nobody who has ever lived can claim what Jesus Christ has done for us. So why in the world would I pray in anybody else's name? Amen. I pray in the name of Christ because He made the way. I'm so glad the way ain't through the church. I ain't found a perfect one yet. I'm glad the way isn't through the baptistry waters because there ain't no water that can wash away my sins. I'm glad the way isn't through my good works because all my righteousnesses are as filthy rags before a holy God. But Christ alone made the way. That's what I get most out of this passage. Our access to God is through Christ. We've been granted full access on the basis of Christ's blood. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through Him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Ephesians 3.12 says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. How do we get such access? Because God requires blood. Someone may say, well, Christianity is a bloody religion. You say, hallelujah, what a Savior. And by the way, can I just encourage you to stick by the preacher that preaches the blood? 
Because where there's no shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Back there in the Old Testament, we find a 4,000-year-old trail of blood. It started when God sacrificed the first animal in the Garden of Eden when He made coats of skin to cover their shame as a result of their sin. And then Abel offered of the firstlings of his flock, and the Lord had respect unto Abel's sacrifice. It was more excellent. And the line of blood continued. God gave the law, and the line of blood continued. Hebrews 10, 1-4 says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Hebrews 10.11 And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. The trail of Old Testament blood continued until the day of Jesus. He lived a sinless life to fulfill the law of God and He became a ransom for many by shedding His precious blood. And this was the last blood God was ever going to need. Amen. In Hebrews 10.12 But this man... I said, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sin forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Hebrews 10, 14 through 18. For by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost is also a witness to us. For after that, he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and in their minds will I write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. And would you just remember what happened on crucifixion day? Jesus, when He gave up the ghost, the Bible says just before that, He cried with a loud voice, It is finished! And I can picture that voice resounding from Golgotha as it makes its way up into the temple on Passover day. And as it, it is finished, echoed through that temple, you can hear the tearing of the veil that separated man from the Holy of Holies because the precious Son of God gave His precious blood and gave us access into the holiest of all. Amen! Amen. Hallelujah, what a Savior. God accepted the sacrifice for sin of His only begotten Son. Now the way is open for whosoever will. Back to Hebrews 10, verses 19 to 20. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, confidence, to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. The way into the holiest of uh, holy of holies now is through Jesus Christ. Amen. We see in verse 27 back in our text here that God will love us because we loved Christ and believed that He was sent from God. <laughs> are you excited tonight that we are elevated to joint heirs with Christ? We are adopted into the family. And we can cry, Abba, Father. We have access to God in Christ. That's such a blessing. Just think about that. That's enough to keep your joy full right there. I'd ask you tonight, are you enjoying access to God as His child? <clears throat> Maybe you've never had your sins washed away by the blood of Christ. And you don't know what that access is all about. 
do you go before God and pray to Him in the name of Jesus Christ? There's no sacrifice you have to offer because Christ is our sacrifice. There's no amount of righteousness you have to attain because Christ is our righteousness. There's no amount of works you have to do because Christ finished our work. His work, I should say. There's no special hierarchy with God where only these few over here have special access to God and all you over here, you don't have access. There's, there's no hierarchy with God. You don't have to stay on the outside looking in. Amen. Because we're all one in Christ. Are you taking advantage of this access? We can go directly to Almighty God and we can speak to Him as a son does to a father. Are you praying to God in the name of Christ? You say, well, I'm not worthy. That's what I'm trying to communicate to you. It's not us being worthy. It's Christ being worthy who made the way for us. All of the worth is based upon Him. It's all about Him. We have the greatest privilege of all, and that's going to God in prayer on the merits of Christ. You realize we can't even go up to our president tonight and strike up a conversation. But I can go directly to God who created that man. (laughs) And is far more important than any human being. I can go directly to him and talk to him. If I were to go back to the Brooks residence on the Clinch River in the mountains of Tennessee, I could drive right up, get out of my car, walk into that house, and I could make myself right at home because my parents live there. I have direct access. What's theirs is mine. I can sleep in their house. I can eat their groceries. I can sit on their porch. I can ride their four-wheelers. I can hike the property. I can know that I am loved there. But if you tried to do that, without them knowing you were coming, you might get peppered with a shotgun. (laughs) Amen. Because you can't enjoy the same access that I can enjoy. And guess what? You won't experience the kind of love that I will experience there because those are my parents. Now, if they were to adopt you into the family, you would have the same access. You would experience the same love that I experienced, but you have to be in the family. Now, do you understand with God that we have that kind of access? We are part of the family. We've been adopted. Therefore, we have access to go to God the Father just as a son does to his father. I hope you know him today. If you don't, you can come and you can let me know. And we'll show you from the Bible how you can know Christ as your Savior and have God as your Father. To the child of God, I ask again, are you taking time to pray? Or are you like the prodigal son who left his father's house? I want to tell you, if that's you, the Father's waiting for you to return tonight. And to those of you who are right with God, keep enjoying time in His presence. Stay in fellowship with Him. Keep walking with Him. 
keep talking with him. You say, boy, I'm just stuck in the house so much. That's a perfect time. Amen. Sometimes I reckon God's made us slow down just for the fact of getting our eyes back on him. Zeroing in back on our relationship with him. Maybe we've let too much of the world crowd out the basics of our faith. And we've just lost sight of the fact that we are the most blessed people in the world because we can go to God in Christ. And God says to the world, you know what? It's time for you just to slow down. You need to get your eyes back on the Lord. So maybe you're stuck with less things to do these days. Praise God. Spend it with the Lord. Amen. You have access to God Almighty, the Creator. Let's pray.